Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Retro Time Podcast. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Derek. Howdy, Derek. Happy to be here, dude. Happy to be here as well, man. Uh, went down to New Orleans Ooh. last week. Tell us a little Did bit about your about trip, that bro? already? I can't even remember if we talked about that. I don't think that. so. Tell us a little bit about uh, your trip. Yeah, we uh, went down to New Orleans. I got some po' boys. I got a Ooh. snowball. Ooh. Um, I didn't get any... Uh, Oh, we got some crawfish, got some boiled crawfish, burl, mm-hmm. some burled crawfish. Uh, sucked the heads, pinched the tails, and I did hey, not right. eat any of the dead ones, Derek. Ooh, that's smart. That's smart. Yeah, that's right. I got myself, I uh, found my new favorite snowball flavor, Derek. What is it? Uh, so there's this place down on Magazine Street called Imperial Woodpecker. I think I've talked about this place before. They have like a coconut milk snowball, and they make their own like fancy flavors, like a like a like a jalapeno pineapple and a cilantro pineapple one, stuff like that. I like that. But they have one that they make. It's a vanilla bean cream uh, snowball, and dude, oh my god, it's like it's it's super creamy. It's got like condensed milk or something in it, probably. I know. But it's got. Like vanilla beans, so you know, like when you get like that really good ice cream and it's got the little black flakes in it, the little spots, like like oh, it's got actual flakes. vanilla beans in it. It's like that, but it wasn't too sweet. It was like just sweet enough. Oh man, I think uh, is my new my new flavor at this place, man. Mm. Ah, normally dig it. normally I go with for the ice cream flavor with uh, you know condensed milk on top, but this mm. time, Derek, mm. vanilla bean baby. Did I ever tell you about uh? Our good friend Kevin, uh, our shared friend Mr. Kevin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he got this one snowball one time. Okay, ice cream. No, it was, so it was a king size. All right, this king is size, Sal's okay. in Lakeview. Okay, yep. king size. Okay, <laughs> oh, I know Sal's. Big, biggest one you can get. Ice cream stuffed with ice cream. Oh yeah, that's the way to do it, man. He called it the cardiac. Cardiac. I love uh, I love a good stuffed uh, snowball. Well, you know, I what I do though, I get I get this the ice cream stuffed with ice cream, and then I put condensed milk on top. <laughs> that's a double cardiac. Mm-mm. That's that's a, that's yeah, a double I don't, bypass. I don't eat for like two weeks it. after that. <laughs> it's real good right before you ha- you play some uh, some basketball, Derek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so I'm known for I'm known for like drinking a beer and then going to try to play basketball. <laughs> Is that bad? Is that bad? It's not great. It's not great. Okay. Um. <laughs> anyway. What are we talking about today, Jeremy? Let's see. So today, Derek, we are going to talk about walls, blockers, things at work that uh, you just, you don't do for one reason or another. Now, the interesting thing about this, Derek, is sometimes there are actual walls Hmm. and sometimes there are perceived walls, things things that you just imagine to be true when in reality may not be a wall at all. Fascinating. Yeah, we can talk about that. That's a good idea. I like it. It was your idea, so <laughs> glad, they don't glad you like it. That. They don't need to know yeah. that. I was playing along. That's right. <clears throat> so what you got? You got some, uh, I assume you have an anecdote. You got a little story or something you want to share. Oh, I was actually out at a work event where you, you know, with real people mm-hmm. recently. And we were talking about this idea that like, you know, it's so funny. We're all here together. We struggle through problems. And a lot of times I feel like I can't call you. You know, I feel like I just can't call. You're too busy. I don't know you that well. Whatever. And here we are talking about dips. And yep. we were talking about dips, Jeremy. And guess what? Oh, this group wants to schedule me a dip day. Oh, and man. I, didn't I hope even I get an honorary invite. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was just really interesting. And we started talking about just a lot of the stuff 
between people, between organizations, and actually within the products themselves that we build, it's all kind of imaginary walls that we put mm-hmm. up that prevent us from making any progress or solving our problems. It's yeah. really interesting. Well, sometimes, though, the walls aren't people. They're uh, something else, which I like to call knowledge. Knowledge walls, knowledge okay. Knowledge walls, yeah. A wall of knowledge. But it's sometimes those walls seem too big to climb. Mm-hmm. They're real walls, so a knowledge wall is not imaginary. It's, but a lot of times it's a, it's a speed bump or it's mm-hmm. a set of little walls, not a big wall. You don't have to climb a big wall. Sometimes you just break yeah. it apart, climb the little ones. Well, you know, the interesting thing about this knowledge wall, Derek, it's like, you know, you imagine this knowledge wall to be like that wall in uh, Game of Thrones, right? I do. What is that wall called? I I've, I've only seen the first season of Game of Thrones. I haven't seen Game of Thrones, but I would assume. Oh, so that, anyway, it's that big, the big giant wall. wall of swords. Right? So that's a, that's how you imagine the wall. But then when you get there, you realize that it's just like it, it might be just like an old little like uh, you know medieval earthen earth bank or something. It's like an earthen wall, something that you could easily climb over that wasn't as nearly as uh, you know um, your, your perception of it was it was much worse than what it actually ended up being. Yeah, something not so scary. I think that's that's the that's the point I guess I was trying to make with our team is that you know we have a lot of different people with the different sets of backgrounds and skill sets and expectations for what they think is super high quality stuff. And sometimes we have this fear that and it's I guess fear is one of the other walls, but fear is an imaginary one. And I think fear makes that little bank or that little earth ridge or whatever you called it look like the great wall of ice from Game mm-hmm. of Thrones, or as I call it, the big sword wall, because I've never mm-hmm. seen the show and I imagine it's made <laughs> of swords. I wish it was made of swords. Um, so yeah, that I think it's it's that kind of like, you know, it's like when you fear anything, you make it bigger than it really is, you know? Um, I used to not be able to go to certain parts of the city. Turns out a lot of that was actually really good advice. But uh <laughs> The but many many times it was like I was overly anxious about doing something relatively you know low risk. So I'm thinking about this, Derek, and and I've 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 kind of organized uh, these real or imaginary walls into sort of three groups, hmm. right? The personal, right? The, the personal. relationships, sure. Okay, the knowledge, domain knowledge, right? Things like Digging. that, technical knowledge, whatever. And then the last would be the technical walls, right? Which you might include budgets or something in there, but you know, okay. like the tech stack that we're using limits us in some way, or or doesn't, or you know, the the resources, the the capabilities, things like that. So I'm thinking about the three: personal, um, the knowledge, and the technical. And I'm trying to think about, you know, what would be some examples of real versus imaginary for each of these, and what might be some ways to uh, maybe go around the wall climb the wall mm. or even dig under the wall maybe even bust right through the wall Derek you're like bust the, through it you're just like oh yeah or the uh, no, that's actually oh yeah that's not, that's, that's uh, macho man Ray savage that's not that's not the uh, the Kool-Aid man actually did, did the Kool-Aid guy did the Kool-Aid I think he did oh, yeah. I think he, he busted through oh, yeah. the wall and he went oh yeah I'm made of Kool-Aid <laughs> that's right <laughs> I'm mixing up my macho man Randy Savage I'm mixing up my 90s nostalgia here um Anyway, uh, so the personal. So uh, what would be like an example of like a, maybe an imaginary wall? I'm thinking, 
you know, some high high up person leadership position. Yeah. Um, you just assume they're busy. You assume they don't have time. You assume they don't want to talk to you because they're so much more important. You assume they think they're important. You assume they know more than they might actually know. Um, all of these things could, in theory, be imaginary, um, but you don't know because you just haven't set up some time with them. So I think about, like, often in, like, the organization we're in, thousand-something people, um, you know, you've got uh, one or two people at the top. How many people in that thousand would be scared to set up a meeting with the CIO? A vast Probably majority, yeah. Vast majority. And I just think to myself, why? You know, right. um, unless there's some, you know, I don't know, like the, the CIO has come in and reprimanded people for actually trying to schedule meetings with them. And you know for a fact that this is not something they want to do. They might be more willing than you think to schedule 20 or 30 minutes to have a chat. Yeah. They might love the openness. They might like, you know, um, building relationships with the people underneath them. They might feel like they wish they had time to talk to the people beneath them because they don't feel like they have as good of a relationship as they might want. Right? So when it comes to these relationship type of walls, you just never know. I think it's always worth, too, pinging them on Slack or Teams or whatever communication channel that you use and say, hey, I've got this idea or I've got a thought. Would you be willing to spend, could I just take 20 minutes of your time to talk through it? I'd be shocked if that leader says, no, go to hell. Right. And if they do, you might be in the wrong company. <laughs> you might start looking yeah. for a job. So anyway, I think this is kind of the stuff, you know, in your example too. Like, I don't know, you're busy. I don't know, you've got so much work to do. Just reach out, you know, and just ask. And ask if you can take some of their time. I think, uh, I think you'd be surprised what you hear. Yeah, and you can put yourself in their shoes, too, sometimes. You can be like, mm -hmm. hey, if I was in their position and I had all this responsibility and somebody was withholding very, very critical information about some big, serious problem and I heard about it at the very last minute, what's the first thing I would say? Why didn't you tell me sooner? Mm -hmm. I cannot yeah. tell you how many times I've come out of a meeting with an executive, with a VP, or have heard about one of these meetings where they say, the first thing he said... Why didn't you tell me sooner? I could have done something yeah. about this. You know, yeah. it's like, well, we were scared. We didn't want to bother. Yeah. We thought we had it handled. We thought we didn't, mm -hmm. you know. Um, yeah. And so it's that it's that assumption that people are either aloof, don't care, or too busy. And you really have to challenge that notion. Yeah. Challenge it how, often. Yeah. Yeah. How often could you imagine a CEO or CIO telling somebody, I'm really glad you waited until the last minute to tell me. <laughs> you would have wasted my time had you told me this sooner. I yeah. don't imagine that's the case, especially when it's a problem, when it's a bad thing, when it's something negative. You know, that's the kind of stuff where you wait until last minute. We talked about the coming storm in the past, right? Yep. This is sort of an, that example of that. You wait until the last minute because you are afraid to tell someone something. That executive, that leadership, they could have they could have fixed it. They could have removed whatever red tape you were facing uh, had you only waited. Um you know, there's also, too, like you said, the more vertical kind of like peers that, you know, doesn't always have to be talking to leadership. It could be just, you know, um, perceived walls amongst other teams. Could be teams mm. that are in a different location than you, teams that work on different things. Um, you know, put yourself in their shoes. Like you said, would you want someone to just not reach out to you and inform you of something or discuss something with you, your strategy? Would you not want to hear what they're doing so that maybe you can give them advice or they could give you advice? You know, and oftentimes I think, you know, obviously we wouldn't think that way. So why would we assume other people would think that way? 
You know, you maybe you're on the software team, a front end development team, and you got to talk to some team that does some other thing. I'm, I'm not a developer, Derek, so I'm just making this stuff up. But, uh, you know, I think on the UX team, obviously, this is something where we might be afraid to reach out to some more technical folks to get some insight on, on limitations from the technical piece that we might talk about in a second. So, you know, these are, it doesn't always have to be top down, it could be horizontal. Um, you know, uh, these are things that, um, we just sort of self-impose on ourselves because we're just assuming people don't want to be bothered when more than likely they would love to be involved given, given the opportunity. I agree, man. The thing I've noticed about this situation is that sometimes these walls, while imaginary, while clear walls, you know, where you could basically just walk through, there are elements of things you need to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. Sure. So... When, when it comes to anything cultural, whether it's a team has been beaten down over the years, told they're not good enough, uh, they've been given bad practices and they've all rallied around the bad practices and continued them throughout many years, or cultural like I'm from another country, mm -hmm. you don't speak to me that way, we talk about personal before business, whatever it is, all that stuff, when you're going to break down a wall, that can give you uh, the right framing and the right tools to actually start chiseling away you know so it's something mm. like oh, not every point. wall yeah. is like just go ahead and knock it out you know man yeah um yeah. sometimes you have point. to be careful that is absolutely a great point so the you're just to sort of summarize you're, you're stating that there might be an imaginary barrier but there may be um real constraints or limitations in yeah. some way that you just have to be aware of and making sure you're you're not you know just throwing a hand grenade in there and blowing everything up just to knock the wall down yeah I mean, and and honestly the the it may be less like a wall and more like a door so uh, it's, the key to unlock the door yeah like you need to you need to find the right kind of key yeah some doors aren't locked so you just open them up the whole time you thought they were locked mm -hmm. and this learned helplessness got you to where you feel like you can't turn the knob you're afraid mm -hmm. to turn the knob you're afraid to see what's in the other side when, it, when what's on the other side has a green pasture, it's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. But yeah. these doors that are locked, you got to find the key because if you don't do it, you're going to be twisting the knob and wondering why you're not getting the result you want. You know, yeah. whether because yeah. usually it's cultural related. But I hypothesize that it, that uh, kind of like applies to the other areas too. You mentioned knowledge. Yeah. And ta uh, All right. Technology. So let's talk about knowledge then. Um, perceived wall barrier is a perceived uh, knowledge barrier and perceived locked door. I like that analogy. Versus an actual locked door. Um, you know, I actually like the door analogy better because <laughs> there's always a key somewhere, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like with the wall, like there might not actually be any way to scale the wall in real life. Uh, yeah. And, and the wall implies someone built it with no intention of crossing it. Why would you have done that? Um, in, at least in a business, why would you have done that? Um, we're not the enemy. You're not trying to keep us out. But the door locked, you know, it's interesting because like people put the door there and for some reason, who knows, maybe they closed it because they wanted some privacy for a little bit, but they locked it for a little while. It always implies it can be unlocked and open. So I actually like that uh, analogy a little bit better than the wall. But for knowledge, let's think about knowledge. Sure. So I'm just trying to think of some that would be perceived uh, to be, you know, there, but not actually. Um, what's really interesting today, you know, Google, you could literally Google almost anything. I'm having a hard time thinking about what would be a real <laughs> actual thing. I feel like most of the time with knowledge, it's on our perceived uh, capability to do it. Maybe maybe the real limitation would be our time uh, or our commitments, not being able to actually spend the time to learn something because we have other commitments, kids, family, job, whatever. 
But for the most part, I would imagine, and I'm curious what you think, is there some realistic thing, or do you think most of these knowledge things are somewhat self-imposed, self-censoring type of uh, imaginary things? Yeah, I, I, when you mentioned Google, it made me think of something. I think that we're no longer in the era where you need to stress about figuring out one specific thing. Mm -hmm. You'll figure that out. We have the tools available to us to allow you to do that. It's when you need to tie multiple things together mm -hmm. to solve a problem. That's right. when you need to use parts of your brain that the internet does not provide. You know, yeah. like the internet will tell you which member of Backstreet Boys is the tallest. Like I can, I can actually ask that to Google and it'll tell me. You could have probably figured that out with Alta Vista, you know. But like if I was dealing with my own project, especially when you're dealing with stuff that not many people know about, you don't have the tools to search and there's no documentation and you're trying to piece together a large complicated system, you'll feel a little bit like, wow, I'm never going to get this done. Why don't I just get on with something else? Sort of procrastinate mm -hmm. that learning. And what I've, what I've actually realized, uh, and I've realized it and then I've, I've fought against it for certain reasons. And I've realized that I think the pandemic kind of like skewed my view on this a little bit messed me up essentially but uh, i've been in a situation where i have a complex product and no one person can tell me how it works mm -hmm. so i've gone to different people to learn how each piece works but i'm only like 80 to 90 percent satisfied with my understanding of these things in a lot of cases and i move on mm -hmm. back when we were working together jeremy I wouldn't move on until I was 100% satisfied. I may yeah. not know everything, but I had to be satisfied with my understanding of that thing. And okay. it's it's that internal satisfaction that I think you need to reach with knowledge, not knowing everything. You have right. to know so, that you're, you've learned enough to be successful. So you're saying you, you've changed post-pandemic. Now, though, you're comfortable not knowing 100% and moving on, is what you're saying? No, so sort of. Uh, right. So when the pandemic hit, it sort of was like, you know, like it was like an uh, EM burst and my brain got scramblies, you know, sure. yeah. and a lot of people probably felt this way. And I just started to feel like I'll just learn what I need to know and move on. I can't my brain can't take any more information because so much is going on in the world. And I, it's I couldn't fit it in, uh, even though. If I had, I may have actually been happier because I would have had more to focus on. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it's interesting. Now, as people start to like get back together, even though the pandemic's not over yet, it's like people are starting to kind of reassess how they want to work. And if we're going into yeah. the office, whatever, and being around people, I'm realizing that like I'm a lot happier when I pursue the things nobody else knows. It's like uh, I started playing, um, this is a weird uh, connection, but I started playing Call of Duty with some buddies of mine, buddies from our old product. And uh, when you're in one of the, the maps, you have this feeling of like, if I go down this corridor, I know, like everybody that's played this map knows that's the way you go. But... I wonder if anybody's figured out that if you go like around this way and then mm -hmm. throw a thing and then come this way and do this thing, if it's like a different way to look at this path, yeah, you know? So it's like, I don't know, I'm starting to think like, and a lot of stuff's really basic, like asking basic questions. And if you don't get answers to basic questions, 
why does this exist? What, what, who, who works on this? How does it, how does it work? What does it do? And you don't get simple answers. You get a lot of corporate speak. That's a huge like red flag of like, uh oh, we're not, we may not actually even be building the right thing. Yeah, that's what that's well, that's triggers in my head. So anyway, see, I'm that's where I was going that. with this, because like to me, the, the, what's the the end goal here is to eventually build software that solves some problem for somebody. Right. Yeah. And so in that case, knowledge is just a tool to help get there. Yeah. Right. Your understanding of the ecosystem helps you get a better product. Your understanding of the users helps to get a better uh, product. Your understanding of various things helps to get um, a better product. And so when 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 you think about roadblocks, right, uh, I'm thinking from the user experience perspective right now, like we want to go and we want to understand users and pain points and understand who the users are, what they want, what they need, interview them, you know, re observational research, whatever it is that we need to do. And a lot of times in different companies, that is blocked. You can't access users for one reason or another. There's no budget to do research. There's no budget to do yeah. any number of things, right? And so in that case, that isn't a blocker necessarily, right? Right. Because what it, what it, what it requires you to do is just figure out a different method to get to that end result. So mm. in this case, that is almost like an imaginary thing because what you want to do then is just use your best guess based on what you do know build something and get it released as fast as possible. And then you will hear directly from people that it was or was not the right thing, right? So waiting until you have all that information to make a decision might not be the best course of action, right? It might be to just use your best guess, get something built, release it, and then do some validation afterwards to get the feedback, right? Instead of uh, waiting until, you know, it's perfect, you know, so I think that's what the other thing I want to think about this as far as knowledge goes is that knowledge isn't really the end result here. It's it's really like you're using knowledge as a tool to get you to that really great piece of software. And sometimes you're blocked from getting it. And that's OK, because there's probably other tools to get you to that end result. You know, it's funny. I've been I've been thinking a lot about software as a thing that we're trying to like the goal here. You know, working with you, we're talking to, you know, users of, of the systems that we've built. I started to realize that, like, a lot of times, like, software wasn't the best course of action here. Like, either they had a really good process in the shop or wherever they were working to deal with this problem. And we were just doing it for the sake of completing some checklist for some executive. It's, it's the solution to the problem. And the reason that the reason that I think that there are asked like simple questions that go unanswered is because when we're given a solution, it's in the context of software. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost an assumption that you don't ask about why we're giving you this software solution. You just go and you ask questions about where should the fields be? How should the, you know, yeah. how, should, how should the database look and all this stuff? Like, that's important. But you know what would be yeah. even better? If I knew the real truth and all along right. we didn't need this damn thing at all. Yeah, exactly. Right. And anyway, so it's like. Maybe, maybe this whole thing could have been solved with some process change as opposed yeah, to. Yeah, move, move the. I yeah. love like this, this, these stories about how, you know, oh, we just, we just had to make the envelopes colored. 
and then we didn't need the sophisticated sorting mm -hmm. system or mm -hmm. we need to we needed to move that machine three inches to the left and now we don't need the software anymore you know mm -hmm. you know i was thinking about how we come to a conclusion about mm -hmm. something um or how we pick a solution the process and i was talking to somebody about this recently there are really two core ways we do it one is we have a grand idea a, a solution mm -hmm. that would solve all of our problems and then we almost close our eyes and manifest the tooling to solve that problem another way to look at it is you look downward at your existing tool set and you say what can i solve with this right 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 you know i have hammers and nails and wood well i guess i can build a big wood block or something you know <laughs> i could put the wood together to build something as opposed to looking yeah. up and saying like i need a bridge yeah and i need it to do this i need yeah. it to do this and then you can look back down and see what you got but you can't like let that constrain you and when you yeah. were talking about blockers but they're there and they're supposed to inform you of what mm -hmm. to do and maybe you don't need to have all of them solved before you put something out there to get your you know get your idea validated but those are constraints you know yeah. they may be unvalidated constraints but those are those are good because then at least you know you know right like right. at least you know we don't have the money great yeah. then we can't have four environments. Let's figure out how to do yeah. it with two. Yeah, exactly. You know? Well, I think that's often like the case with, you know, designing something on a, a blank whiteboard or a blank sheet of paper is often more difficult than being given a bunch of constraints and saying, design something with these constraints in mind. Yeah. Which I think leads me to this sort of last one, which is the technical yeah. uh, walls, right? I think out of all of the three that we talked about, this is probably the one that has the most real constraints, right? Mm -hmm. You are limited in the server space you have. You are limited in the, the tech stack you're able to use. You are limited in, you know, the, the, you know, the technology. You can't do augmented reality. You can't do virtual reality, whatever it is, right? You're, you're limited in, in a lot of real ways. The difference here, though, is that that doesn't mean you will always have those limitations. You could invest more money and get different, you know, hardware to support whatever it is you're trying to do. You could invest to get more server space. You can invest in separate servers that do other things. You could invest in the, the, the knowledge of the team to go and learn a new tech stack or something, right? But then there's also these cases that are imaginary. You just assume this is, we always use this, you know, I don't know, we always used Vue. So therefore everything is Vue, but no one ever suggested a different framework. Yeah. And there's no reason why we're using Vue. It's just that's what we've always used. Let's, you know, what if you just suggested a new a new framework or something? So I think in this case, you know, this is sort of an example of one where there's probably more realistic things. And a lot of them have to do with budgets and, you know, resources and constraints. But that doesn't mean that you could bring it up. You know, we, we need to hire another person. We don't have anybody on the team who can do this. Let's go look for somebody who has an expertise and some new uh, thing that we don't understand yet. You know, but it's all about, again, like I think like just the bringing it up, not just assuming it's always going to be that case. To me, that's sort of like this one with, with, the, with the technology piece, the technical piece. It's a, oftentimes we just assume it's the way it's always been done. And so we don't try to change anyone's mind or try to change a process. Um, I think just don't be scared to do that, you know. Yeah. With, with technology choosing ways to go, you have a lot of institutional pressure as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. You have a lot of people who tell you, 
oh, this is best practice. This is the best method. And we talked to uh, Doc Norton about best Old practice. Doc. And I think, our, I, I don't know who it was, but somebody said, best practice according to who? Mm-hmm. You? That would have been Doc. Oh, it wasn't me. That yeah. was Doc. It was like, you, you? You think it's best? <laughs> well, you would look at look at this. And I think a lot yeah. of times, like, examining the work that people do, examining the quality of the work, and did they actually solve the problem and how did they do it? In the organi- your organization, you may have a group of people who have been failing toward solutions and mm-hmm. somehow getting them released for years. And so there may be a feeling you have where I can't trust anybody, you know, I can't trust anybody to come up with a technical decision because all these things are bad, you know, like every single decision we've made was bad. Decisions are made within a context, within a time period and within a time frame. It is more important that you go to those people and ask them what informed that decision about that time period. And you'll learn something, increasing your knowledge in helping you make better decisions about technology going forward. It will also improve your personal relationship with these people if you ask them about a time period where they made a decision and you don't judge them. Mm -hmm. But you still shouldn't trust them. And let me explain why. They have been riding on mistakes for years. Okay? You can... You can Like a surfboard. You well, Okay, let me, let me rephrase like that. A mistake you, wave. Yeah, you can trust them <laughs> to have your back. You can trust them to deliver and, you know, deliver what they say. You can do all that stuff. But to make good decisions, trust but verify. And the yeah. way you can verify that, get other sources and in your head, connect the dots. So you read a book about, let's say, caching of database calls all right is it good or bad well best practices is the cache something's weird about that i heard best practices and doc norton said that <laughs> best practices but for who maybe i should look into that turns out more complicated than that you know because this introduces this risk this introduces this risk there's reasons why you would and wouldn't do it given the context then you can establish what you want to do based off your context. Now, unfortunately, I have I have like a, a, a Jeremy, I have a uh, confession oh, to make. This is for everybody funny. out there. You're going to be wrong. It's it's, it's the unfortunate thing about making decisions, te- technical decisions. <laughs> You're going to be wrong. But you don't want to be so wrong that when the world flips upside down in a years and all the things you thought were going to be the same are different, that everything has to be rewritten in a crisis, you know, yeah. uh, that's, that's, I just like, you can't really predict a whole lot about a system. And in fact, uh, I've, I've worked for companies that have changed their entire business model, like their whole way they work, how they intend to serve customers. And, uh, you know, previous to that, I, I was kind of taught that, you know, architecture should assume the business model stays the same. You can't assume barely anything. Right. Um, yeah. Especially after COVID right now. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you worked for like a blockbuster, you know, and you were like, your whole business model was around, how do I get the, the, the the VHS tapes to the, you know, to the place as fast as possible. And then all of a sudden, oh, now it's discs. Well, I can, I can handle discs. And then now it's streaming of content. But if your model was more broad than that, think about blockbuster again, we need to get media to consumers. Guys, 
find the best way to do that and and devoting a lot of time and effort to thinking continuously thinking maybe we're wrong maybe we're wrong maybe we're wrong we got to keep moving forward we still got to put the dvds on the shelf we still got to have doug in the back and doug knows what (laughs) i mean we still got to have doug in the back you know tell, uh, uh, escorting people into the room that you have to like you know the special room where you have to like the little red light and you have the black thing you, can, you know you know what i'm talking about the secret I room heard that. Yeah, you know what i'm talking about um but you have that but you still have to think this isn't going to be this way it is forever nothing is going to stay the same forever yeah. and in enterprises especially they think it is they genuinely think it is yeah and because they, they feel like they control a lot more than they really do. Yeah. So anyway, that was a long freaking rant, but um, <laughs> I, uh, no, I feel I, strongly I think that's about a, that. A great, that. I love that, though. Yeah, like I bet a Blockbuster wouldn't have gone out of business had they thought like you. Somebody <laughs> like you. I mean, how are you, Derek? <laughs> had they thought like me, there'd be a lot more dips. It would have been, been a dip slash video store. See, if store. every VHS came with a dip, Derek, would Blockbuster be out of business right now? Imagine this, Jeremy. Mystery dip. Mystery dip <laughs> night. Come to Blockbuster. Get yourself a popcorn for free. Mm-hmm. We subsidize it, whatever. And a yep. uh, free dip. We'd start mystery popcorn dip. dip. That would be my big thing. Ooh, popcorn dip. Popcorn. You get a mystery dip. Is it a sweet dip? Is it a salty dip? You don't know. Oh, watch out. Watch so out. anyway, that's Ooh, Derek, what you'd get if you, idea, they had dude. me involved. Popcorn chips with caramel dip. Ooh, Derek. You're brilliant. Jeremy. Jeremy. <laughs> Look. I would say I'm way ahead of you, but I'm not. You're with me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. I'm for it. All right, Derek. Well, uh, I think this has been a really great conversation, man. So um, we've got the personal walls. We've got the knowledge walls. We've got the technical walls. A lot of these, Derek, all you got to do is ask. All you got to do is bring it up. All you got (laughs) to do is try. And I'm willing to bet most of the time you'll be able to, you know, either knock down those walls or open the door, find that key, and walk right through. Just got to try. Just got to try. Give it your best shot. Well, that's it. I love that, Derek. So um, everybody out there, I hope you enjoyed this show. I found this one really insightful, Derek. I think this is a fantastic uh, topic. Thank you for thinking of it. Uh, Check us out on RetroTimePodcast.com. Get yourself some stickers, RetroTimePodcast.com slash stickers. And Derek, don't forget those reviews. Oh, yeah. I got to work on a couple slash reviews. Peep all those review jams. Derek, we have so many. Dude, we have got like literally six of them in the backlog. We got uh, a big friend of the show. Doug has one. We got Oh, we got some new ones? Couple. We got we got a few more. You're you're oh, <laughs> you I got, got a, a backlog, long little baby. backlog, man. I can't Danielle, wait. Danielle, Pam, we got y'all. Uh, we got uh, two. It's coming. Hey, look, Town over there. We got we got Doug. We got a bunch. So uh, keep them coming, y'all. Derek and I, we're gonna start writing some stuff and knock them out. Derek, I'd love to do a collaboration on these with you. I know, like you like enjoy doing, but I think it'd be a lot of fun. We live in the, we live basically again. in the same city, Jeremy. Just come I mean, on by. Very man. very very studio. close. We're very close. Uh, so we should do that. So check us out, Retro Time Pod on Twitter. Get your b-ball news from Derek on Twitter and sometimes some software stuff. And uh, check us out on LinkedIn and all that stuff. Tell a friend. Share the show. Get some stickers. All that stuff. All right. Derek, I'm out. Yeah, and I'll leave you guys with one last thing. It's my um, it's my impersonation of Ed Ogeron from LSU uh, saying, we're coming, we're coming, we ain't backing down. You ready? I'm, we're coming. I can't wait. We're coming. <laughs> we ain't backing down. That guy. It's uh, mm-hmm. one of my best impersonations. Um, so, <laughs> Derek, speaking of impersonations, yeah. um, have I ever done my? Uh, I did my, my Macho Man Randy Savage a little bit while ago. That was ago. good. Um, have I ever done my impersonation 
of a French macho man, Randy Savage, for you? I don't think so. I'm excited, though. All right, you ready? <clears throat> yep. Oh, we. <laughs> That's it. That's pretty good. That's my French macho man, Randy Savage. <laughs> <laughs> you can nail the accent. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right. On that note, Derek, I'll see you later. Take it easy. <laughs> that might have been our best episode. All right, Derek, do you want to play a little game of this or that? You know what? I'd love that. Oh, all right. Let's do it. All right. So, uh, Derek, just the first thing that comes to your mind. I don't want you to take any time to think. I want you to just right off the top of your head. Okay, I'm, I'm going to close my eyes to get All right. Get now, what speed. we're going to do today, Derek, okay. is going to be a little different than normal. What we're going to do oh, no. is a reprise of all the special this or that questions <laughs> that we have asked <laughs> some of our guests. <laughs> the weird ones. Okay. I'm Are excited. you ready? Yep. All right. We'll I'm start ready. off simple, and then we'll get a little bit more complicated. Okay. Okay. There's only one. Derek, where I'll really judge you, so please don't get that one wrong. Okay, are you ready? <laughs> this is this is nerve wracking. I got to be honest with you. All right, all right. Are you ready, right. Derek? I'll set yeah, up time I'm, for two I'm, minutes. I'm, all right, I'm, dog or cat? Dog. Netflix or YouTube? YouTube. Phone call or text? Text all day. All right, ice cream cone or a cup? Got to go cone, waffle cone. All right, big teams or small teams? Small teams, but five of them. Okay. Uh, deep, exhausting arguments with people who don't share your view. Or smooth, energetic conversations with like-minded people. I got to go the latter, sir. <laughs> All right. I heard that. All right. Uh, Derek, which is king? Content or Elvis? Elvis. All right. That's from my grandma. Which is king? Content or Burger King? Content. Burger King's All terrible. Right. Which, is, which is king? Content or the Sacramento Kings? The Sacramento Kings because they have it coming. <laughs> Okay. Which is King, content or Stephen King? <laughs> content. Stephen King's scary. All right. Which is King, content or B.B. King? B.B. King, because he plays one note, makes it sound like a fucking <laughs> symphony. All right. All right. This is one, Derek, for all of our friends in the UK. Uh, agile or Agile? Agile. All right. Oasis or Blur? Oh, Blur. All right. Meghan Markle or Kate Middleton? I'm a Markle boy. That's what they call me. <laughs> All right. American football or real football? Real football. Shout out to Matt. <laughs> okay. All right. Derek, this one is, uh, this one's for all, all of uh, all our Canadian friends out there. All right. Labatt Blue or Molson? Labatt Blue, baby. All right. Uh, the Imperial System or the Metric System? You know what? I'll go Metric. Tens. <laughs> okay. CFL or NFL? NFL. CFL's a joke. All right. Uh, Montreal or Quebec? Quebec. Don't know why. All right. Now, you said football. Hockey or football? Ooh, good question. Football. Hockey's All right. cold. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Um, okay. Uh, this is one, Derek. This is a good one. Uh, all of our friends that work at Adobe. Uh, sun-dried brick or Photoshop? <laughs> <laughs> Got to go sun-dried brick. <laughs> stucco or Illustrator? <laughs> Got to go stucco. Vinyl siding or InDesign? Got to go vinyl siding. All right. Sorry. Cedar siding or Acrobat? Oh, got to go cedar, man. That's beautiful. Right. Hardy board or After Effects? Ooh, man. No, nothing like a good hardy board. <laughs> okay. Did you say hardy boy? Okay. Hardy board. You know, it's, yeah, it's like the siding made out of concrete, basically. Oh, sounds good. Yeah. All right. This is for all our friends at Amazon. Prime yeah. numbers or composite numbers? 
<laughs> you got to go Prime. Got to go Op- Prime. Optimus Prime or Megatron? <laughs> you got to go Optimus. Turns into a big truck. Prime Meridian or Anti Meridian? Mm. Ah, I have a third option. Prime Rib. Ooh, all right. Uh, well, that was going to be the next one. Prime River, New York Strip. <laughs> oh, damn, I blew it. <laughs> prime Rib and Prime Meridian. All right. Uh, prime Time or the Graveyard Ship? Ooh, I got to go Graveyard. Sounds like fun. Meet the weirder people right. that way. All right, Derek, last but not least, we've got <laughs> some questions now uh, that we asked our good buddy Doc Norton, but I got an extra special one that I came up with after he came up the show. Dr. Oz or Dr. Drew? (laughs) Dr. Drew, man. Sex talk. All right, Dr. McCoy or the doctor? Mm, Dr. McCoy, man. All right. Doogie Hauser or Dr. House? I gotta go Doogie, man. He was so young. All right. Dr. Jack Shepard or Dr. Derek Shepard? Jack Shepard, man. All day. All right. And last but not least, Doc McStuffins or Doc from Snow White? <laughs> Doc the Dwarf. <laughs> I got to go McStuffins, man, uh, for the simple reason that uh, uh, it fixes boo-boos All with right. a big book of boo-boos. Got a, couple, got a couple more left here, Derek. Love or money? Love. <laughs> long pause, Derek. Uh, you know you're how lucky, I do. You're lucky Catherine doesn't listen. All right. Last, Derek, but certainly not least... Star Trek or Star Wars? <laughs> this is taking way too long, Derek. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> that is the that is my answer. Oh, why do you even ask? How do you even ask? How do you even ask? What right, series? That's, <laughs> that's what you should ask. Which series? Voyager or Deep Space I, I Nine? I tell people all the time about how I, I asked that question to Kyle, our DTLP, and yeah. uh, he said Stargate, and I just I love him for it. Kyle, yeah, that's a special answer. Still think about you, man. <laughs> still think about you. Yeah. All right, Derek. I think that's it for today. Fantastic. So, it's been a good um, conversation. I want to give a special little shout out. I'm going to start doing this on our one our episodes where it's just you and I to mm-hmm. an old coworker. Okay. okay. Um and just just a random shout out. This one goes out to uh Andrea Guzman. Oh, um, Andrea, yeah. Who yeah, who who we I think uh I don't know if it was just me, but I used to call her the goose. Um <laughs> and then I told somebody that and said, "No, don't call her that." Yeah. Don't do okay. that. <laughs> don't do that. And then uh, I realized why and then we were all uh, good. But I, I remember yeah. uh we had a fun time in Budapest. Um and a fun time eating at a fancy place in Budapest with Mike Lee, mm-hmm. um, who yep. I'm sure is a friend of the podcast. Oh, yeah, and uh, <laughs> and then one time I, uh, it was after that, so we were friends, and then she was trying to work on something like some con- uh, some wiki document or something. And you know, I have strong opinions. Mm-hmm. Sure. I'm trying to explain to her why she shouldn't use a bullet point and, and like where to use it. It was the, like the the most aggressive mansplaining I've ever done in my life. <laughs> when she left the company, she didn't she even send me a message. Yeah, didn't um, get a note. And that was uh, Andrea Guzman. Uh, well, R.I.P. Yeah, she's over at Salesforce now. So she's doing. Oh, that. okay, she's forcing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Mike is. Uh, I think he's at Konica Minolta. He's a CIO, I think, over there now. So. Oh, okay. The, the camera company. She, yeah, he's CIO. Yep. Oh, we. Oui.